Welcome back, I'm Evan Hodges, this is Fan Fiction is Good Actually, and in this episode I spoke with fanfiction author Artemis Girl, who has penned one of the most popular Harry Potter fanfictions on the entire internet. Artemis and I connected through a mutual friend when she heard I was doing this podcast, and I was very curious to talk with her about the wildly complex place that is the Harry Potter fan community, especially now that we've all seen Joanne Rowling's True Colors, you know, you know about that. So, we talk about that, obviously, but we also talk about My Immortal, and Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles, and women liking things, and Wattpad, and also E.L. James, who I have opinions about, but uh, they're probably not the opinions that you think. You'll notice we had a special secret guest as well, that's Apollo, Artemis's pet bird, that... That was a good naming choice, Artemis and Apollo. Anyway, that's that's Apollo. Uh, he also had some opinions about things, obviously. Uh, but he only chimes in from, from time to time. Don't mind him. If you're a fan of Artemis Girl's work, there's a Facebook fan group you can join called Artemis Girl Fiction, all one word. And of course, you can find her as Artemis Girl, all one word, on fanfiction.net or archive of our own. Alright, let's get into it. Audience, can you please state your pronouns and whatever you would like to be known as? So whether it's your actual name or a secret <laughs> alias or a screen name or something like that. Sure. I'm Artemis Girl. She, her. All right. I'm going to call you Artemis throughout the, the podcast because that's cool. That just sounds cool. <laughs> I prefer that. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, re- I made the, prefer- the pen name when I was 14, so... That was a long time ago, so I'm not sure the girl quite applies anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, at least you picked something that is, like, perpetually cool, you know? I had some very bad screen names when I was 14, so... Artemis is always cool. Greek Greek deities are always yep. evergreen. I figured if it endured 2,000 years, it should be good for another few. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I guess we'll see. Um so can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm I'm stoked to have you on the podcast, but I will uh, let you explain what what your deal is, what your role in fandom and fan fiction is. <laughs> okay, so I'm a fan fiction writer. I started off being very very bad about 16, 17 years ago now, uh, but I didn't really care, and I kept writing, and I've been writing fan fiction for ages now. And I currently have the third most highly reviewed Harry Potter fanfiction on fanfiction.net. It has nearly 30,000 reviews. I'm very proud of it. You should be. Uh, I, <laughs> I, like, I genuinely think that is really cool. I mean, the whole premise really of the cool. podcast is fanfiction is good. And I've never, I've never personally met anyone with a fanfiction that is that popular. So what is your, what has your fandom journey looked like? throughout your life. I like to ask everybody this because it kind of 
gives a sense of like what fandoms you have interacted with and like how you started and what you know everyone Mm -hmm. starts relatively young i think every sort of like nerd person every person involved in transformative works has some kind of like childhood or young adulthood experience that initiates them into into fandom so i was 13 or 14 and my cousin came to visit and she mentioned fanfiction.net and the story she read about Lord of the Rings and I didn't tell her oh I've never read Lord of the Rings but she showed me this website and I was smart enough to realize oh if there's Lord of the Rings on here there's probably other things Uh, so after she left I went back and looked at things I did know and I was like oh this is so cool because I'd never heard of fanfiction and of course like if you read a story that you don't like the ending to you write a better one in your head and hear people sharing their better endings and such so I was excited uh, so I started reading Teen Titans fanfiction, and I started writing Teen Titans fanfiction. Uh, some of it was, looking back, um, a lot of it was bad. Some of it was okay. Uh, I learned a lot. I remember, because I was young then, I was about 14 when I started, I remember when I had to go and ask for help about the kissing parts. <laughs> So that was the thing. My dad reading this and telling me, okay, this is what kissing is like. And I had to try and write it having never done it. Wow. You were a but... bold child asking your parents <laughs> for help with a kissing scene. Uh... I, I did eventually stop <laughs> before I started writing more explicit things. I mean, I would hope. Uh, although I guess, I guess there's an argument to be made that like having that kind of relationship with your parents can be healthy and supportive, but... I, I don't think that's most people's experiences. I don't think most people are asking their parents uh, how to write uh, horny fan fiction. I mean, it's soft with yeah. the kissing. Before, like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. So I did Teen Titans, and then I moved on to Death Note, uh, which I was obsessed with. Uh, and then I played around with Inuyasha and um, what was it? And Oran High School Host Club. Uh, and then I moved kind of back into Harry Potter well after the books were finished at this point but because the books were finished and people were still kind of living in that universe in their heads and uh many of us were dissatisfied with the last one or two books uh it was a fun place to play around and the cool part was the harry potter universe had such potential and just to be explored and played in without the stupid oh Voldemort's gonna kill everybody let's see magic Hitler and all that nonsense so it was a lot of fun there's a lot of room I like writing really creative and crazy things and Harry Potter was a large part of many people's lives growing up so it's cool that we can kind of carry on that feeling of magic now amongst ourselves and other fans uh there's clearly no author at this point anymore yeah kind of just been categorically rejected yeah I did want to. There's a lot. I did want to ask you how you feel about uh, uh, Joanne Rowling's uh, opinions, kind of complicating everyone's relationship with Harry Potter now. Because I certainly have felt that um, as I'm I'm a trans man, and the uh, the Harry Potter universe was a huge part of my life growing up. Uh, the first Harry Potter book is the first book that I read on my own without my mom's help. Uh, she would like, yeah, oh, cool. she would like read to me as a child and, uh, she got a few chapters into the, the first Harry Potter book reading to me and 
I I remember telling her like, no, I'm gonna read it for by myself from here on out. And I don't I don't remember exactly what age I was. I want to say I was like nine. What year did it come out? 1999, 2000. I don't know, but I know I was nine when I read them. Yeah. Uh, it's and they the second one I just. Read. I know that I was young enough that when I turned 11 i was still hoping that i was going to get a hogwarts letter so yes <laughs> yes um yeah so it was it was certainly a big part of my life growing up i had many a harry potter themed birthday party i had uh many many before the movies came out they had a lot of like merchandise that was really a lot more interesting looking because it wasn't just like photos of the cast you know they had like sculpted cauldrons and they had like the the design on the candy bags and stuff like that that was yeah uh, inspired by the book as opposed to by the movie so i have like very clear memories of all that i went to like the book release parties as a kid and stuff like that so yeah that was rough that whole experience with it yeah, yeah. it's <sighs> so after the books ended I kind of, she kind of got one clear okay for me from the start when she started adding things. And that was when she said she always pictured Dumbledore as gay. Uh, That's because I always thought Dumbledore was gay when I read. I got that subtext. So I was like, oh yeah, of course. But then when she started adding things, the fandom as a whole was kind of just like, she's just trying to stay relevant. And at one point, uh, she tweeted on like the Pottermore account or something that uh, wizards hadn't had indoor plumbing until the mid-1800s. <laughs> they just defecated down their leg and vanished it. And it, at that point, the fan was kind of like, okay, you're done. We're not listening to you. This is crap. Because just logistically, if you don't get a wand till you're 11, like, what are the children doing? I don't want to think about that. Yeah, yeah. That- so that was, so fandom, like, it, people who were really into it kind of did death of the author way back then but when she started leaking the turfiness and the like gender critical stuff it was rough because it hurt a lot of people those of us who were kind of in fandom kind of buckled down and were like okay if she's not going to do this right we are so there was a big movement there was a big movement to include queer characters in your works uh people who knew about trans people were writing things in and whatnot and it was, we were going to make fandom and the Harry Potter universe an inclusive place that she hadn't made it. Uh, and it, it's kind of worked. Um, so my fan fiction, I have, I've made a real effort to make it a piece where it's not about being queer, but that there's queer people just in it because those are part of the world. And there's like a side plot line where there's a, uh, there's a young trans guy. And after being sorted as a first year, uh, he can't get up to his dormitory because guys can't go up in the girls' dorm. And his magic reads as man, even though he's in a woman's body. And Hermione happens upon this, and she's always one to take up lost, like the downtrodden and help them. And it was really interesting to explore in a magical universe, what would this look like? What would transitioning look like? What support systems would there be, if any? How would this work? And when that plotline came out, for example, I got some people telling me I was going to hell and I was corrupting the youth. And, you know, that's to be expected. But far more was just overwhelming support and gratitude from people who were like, I've never seen 
a fanfic put trans people in as just people, not as the focus in their transness being the whole story of that story. And it makes a difference. Like, it's weird, but representation, even just fan fiction, really does make a difference. And when you see yourself in something you're reading, it really does touch you. And it makes me happy, you know? She fucked up, and but I can help and open the new universe for the people moving forward. I, I did want to, I did want to ask, you know, there's, <laughs> there have been many like Harry Potter, like fandom, fandom controversies over the years <laughs> about, and what you said about people telling you in the comments that you're going to hell kind of reminded me of the, the like Christian tro- quote unquote Christian trolls that existed in the Harry Potter. Oh fandom for a while it was so long ago yeah yeah so i want to like to be clear i was never like deeply involved in harry potter fan fiction uh i have as a young adult i read like a handful of harry potter fan fictions but i was never like in the fandom i was never in the harry potter fan community in any meaningful way so Mm -hmm. i've heard about all of this stuff way after the fact from like pop culture detectives on the internet telling stories did you ever overlap with any of that like weirdness because you're i mean i i would consider you kind of a a big name fan i don't know if you've been i am now yeah yeah i got there but uh so i when i started reading harry potter fan fiction god it was on yahoo groups of all things Mm. like talk about something ancient that really dates okay me. i have to i have to but, bring this up because i brought it up with uh my first guest do you remember fan sure. fiction on quizilla i remember quizilla because i had a really terrible geocities page where i put all my quiz results <laughs> but i didn't realize it was fan fiction there there why yeah there extremely was i i won't like i won't <laughs> like repeat everything about quizilla but like oh boy it was just uh it, it was just bad sight set up essentially there was like no character limits on the question field so people were posting fan fiction via quizzes yeah (laughs) that's terrible (laughs) oh my gosh not what the medium was meant no but i mean look Uh, a lot of people got joy out of it i was certainly a young child on there like i guess not a young child i was like 14 or 15 on there uh accidentally coming upon fan fiction and being like what is this mind blown mm-hmm. yeah, people do this wild um but yeah anyway geocities yeah so there was a there was a lot of people i remember hearing that there were a lot of people who did not like harry potter and just like when the books were coming out themselves there was oh we're buying the books just to burn them and all this nonsense and whatnot and it was clear nobody had ever actually read the books that was raging against them because there's there's definitely not Satan worship. There's not even like paganism really included. They celebrate Christmas for like, it's, it was ridiculousness, but people got a lot of hate, but I've over time, I realized that there are always people who just kind of want to be miserable and mean. Like it's fan fiction. Nobody's like writing this to be, Oh, this is how you should behave. It's, it's just supposed to be fun. But I do remember When I was, so 2014, there was a story that somebody put out. It was called, it's like the Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles. Yeah, I'm aware of that. I've I've heard of this. This has escaped out into the rest of the internet. Uh, Oh, but it was so funny because as it was being posted, 
nobody knew if this was if somebody was really writing a story where Harry did magic by praying to God and if it was satire or not. And it was so funny because everyone reading along, like there were Christians who hated every other fanfic on the site, but they were reading along and reviewing very like, this is excellent. You're fixing everything. There were diehard Harry Potter fans reviewing being like, this is terrible. What are you doing? These people are out of character. And then there were some of us who were reading this and as it went along, we're like, there's no way this is for real. (laughs) But I loved it. It was so fun. At the end, it was revealed giant satire entirely intended to poke fun at the Christian community who was burning the books and hating everything. But what a trip while that was coming out. Nobody knew quite what was going to happen. Yeah, I think think it's uh, Poe's Law that says, like, any sufficiently extremist position is indistinguishable from a satire of that opinion. So, yeah, I it seems yeah. in retrospect like and I guess of course that was a of course that was a troll, but I I genuinely don't think it was obvious at the time that yeah, no, there's like like the whole time I was kind of like this could go either way. At the end when it was revealed Voldemort's just like a teenage shit poster on our atheism. Then I was like, there's no way this is for real at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. It was fun. It, listeners, if, if you are not aware of this, Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles is a, quite a read. If you get a chance, definitely. It's a very, it's a very short read also. Yeah. It, like you can knock it out in half an hour yeah the troll was not committed the 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 satirist was not committed to their their uh grift there but uh, i have i i have i think i've read it in its entirety and it is very funny it's really funny it is yeah it's only like it's just over like ten thousand words and it is the 12th most reviewed harry potter fan fiction on Mm fanfiction.net Just because everybody reads it at this point. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a uh, like a merit badge, a fandom merit badge <laughs> at this point. So, yeah, what is what is your opinion on My Immortal, if you have one? Oh gosh, I remember reading that when it was like new still. <laughs> There was, but the thing was back then I was that stupid kid listening to Good Charlotte CDs, reading this and being like, "This isn't really well written, and I don't really care for the main character." But okay, I can. I had no taste. I was terrible. The, okay, <laughs> like, again, the the premise of the show is fan fiction is good. Actually, people genuinely <laughs> got joy out of it. They did, and we yeah. did. And the thing is, though, even after you come back and you like, oh, okay, I've read actual literature. I know, I know, kind of the elements that need to be in a story to make it make sense that my immortal largely lacked. We all got joy out of the epic readings for years afterwards. It's true. Yeah, it's um. My Immortal is another one that escaped its own the the confines of its own fandom, and sort of like the larger fan community, the larger community of nerds became aware of it. Uh, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, it was a little bit unsavory in that some people really took it too far with making fun of My Immortal and making fun of My Immortal as a proxy for making fun of like fan fiction authors in general. Which was definitely yeah. deeply unfair. Uh, there's a lot of 
and this this is another uh, example of people hating things that were made for and enjoyed by young girls, teenage girls. It was clearly like the author, whether they were a troll or not, was clearly like a teenage girl or was meant to be a teenage girl if it was meant to be a, a, a troll uh, fan fiction. And that clearly had something to do with the whole thing with characterizing every fan fiction writer as like an angsty teenage girl and men in fandom community really latched onto this as like exemplary of fan fiction writers on the whole. That was deeply unfair. As, as funny as My Immortal was, it was definitely not like a positive moment for fandom and fan fiction, unfortunately. It was, it was fun for a lot of us because a lot of writers saw themselves in My Immortal albeit probably five, ten years earlier, when we were everybody who read Harry Potter was like, if I went there, who would I be friends with? How would it be? Like, we all had that fantasy. And then when it kind of spread and people were just, like, mocking it ruthlessly, okay, not every, not every story is good. Not every story is good. Some are bad. But if you have fun writing it, what does it matter? But it's kind of... The thing that gets me... Is, so in Harry Potter fandom... There's literally magic, which is like every kid's dream. You can do whatever you want. What would happen? So there are a lot of stories where there are Harry Potter, basically power fantasies, where he's super strong very quickly. He knows everything. He's a genius, blah, blah, blah. And then there are Hermione power fantasies where Hermione's really strong and she does all this awesome stuff and she makes all the friends. And very few people comment on the Harry Potter power fantasies. But the Hermione ones get a lot of sexist hate. They're like, oh, Hermione's a Mary Sue. This is trash. This is just wish fulfillment. And it's like, okay, so? What does it matter? Yeah, what is life about if not wish fulfillment? What if? What is life about if not portraying yourself in an idealized way in safe spaces yeah, mm-hmm. the um, the whole oh boy, there there you could write a whole, and I'm sure people have. You could write a whole master's thesis on the phenomenon of the Mary Sue and like how the concept of the Mary Sue doesn't exist and how it's a deeply sexist concept. Oh boy, but it's very. I could I I could definitely write that essay. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's it's very clear once you kind of like get past the uh the cultural concept of the mary sue that every main character is a mary sue male or female no matter what genre they're in no matter Mm -hmm. what their actual like qualities or attributes are every main character is exceptional in some kind of a way that's why they're a main character that's why we want to read about them that's that's why we're interested in them exactly and everyone writing fan fiction is writing it because there's some kind of like idealism that they're trying to portray in their fan fiction. Not everyone writes power fantasy positive fan fictions, but there's some kind of, there's something that inspires you about that character. There's a a quality that you want to amplify. So yes, of course the characters are exceptional. Of course. That's just, that's why we're interested in them. Exactly. That's what makes it exciting. And originally when Mary's, the concept of like a Mary Sue started circulating, the, the core parts were 
she's literally perfect and has too many things to be real. So it was stuff you were looking for, like she has purple eyes. Her family is descended from dragons, but also King Arthur. She has a literal fairy godmother and literally everybody loves her and wants to date her. In that you can kind of get, okay, probably not the most compelling character as a reader, you might be inclined to hate such a person, regardless if it was a Mary Sue or a Gary Stew. But the problem was people kind of just started calling any main character a Mary Sue, regardless if they had flaws, regardless if everybody liked them. If it was somebody who was sort of out of character and people kind of liked, this is a Mary Sue, I don't like it. And it became a way to dismiss a lot of things without actually engaging with them. Which is really bothersome because just casually dismissing things and throwing whole things that can be amazing and great in the trash just after slapping a label on it, you miss out on a lot of great things. Ulysses was a, was a Mary Sue. I'm going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> He totally was, though. <laughs> Completely was. Oh my yeah. God. Every male hero in any uh, like classical story was super, super right? a Mary Sue. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Dante's Inferno was a giant self-insert yeah. the whole time. Yeah, that's the whole point of all of literature is to write an idealized character of some kind. And the literature that doesn't have an idealized character, you kind of hate. Like, I started reading A Catcher in the Rye, and I was like, I hate this boy. I can't stand him. I'm not going to finish this. This is miserable. Whenever there's a character, like, you can't relate to that doesn't have something compelling to you about them, you don't enjoy reading about it, really. Yeah, I certainly think there's value in reading some of the, like, classics of Western literature. I think there's sort of a, a way of examining text that you can that you can understand from that but yeah a, a lot of it's just not that good let's be honest like uh yeah. huck finn is not that good i'm sorry it's really not uh, and there's been uh, this is not just me saying this i did minor in english this was many 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 years ago i've been out of college for a long time but uh there is genuinely debate in literary circles as to whether Huck Finn is trash that got accidentally elevated through circumstance or whether it's like a truly great novel. And uh, I learned recently that The Great Gatsby kind of became popular by accident because they like printed it in uh, like an edition that was pocket size. The, the dimensions they printed the book in happened to be really good for soldiers to fit in their pockets during I think it was World War II and that's when it got its boom in popularity because it was a small book that they could fit in their pockets and then they could just pass it around to one another so go figure yeah I don't I don't remember all of the specific details about this but it the Great Gatsby was not popular when it came out no it 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 was considered a a bomb as far as other F Scott Fitzgerald novels he was a very popular novelist in his own time but The Great Gatsby was like considered a failure of a novel and nobody printed it for a good long time. And then, like I said, for some reason, somebody got the printing rights really cheap and made these very small copies of it. And it just happened to be the perfect size for, for army coat pockets. So 
Yeah. Go figure. That explains it because I hated that book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it's bad. It, I certainly I didn't like it at the time when I read it in high school. Um, I reread it as an adult, and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what F. Scott Fitzgerald was like trying to say. I get the point he was trying to make. I can't say I enjoyed it, but yeah. Yeah, so there's a difference between finding reading something rewarding and getting something from it and actively enjoying reading it. And the two do not always overlap. Yeah. I bet there's I bet there's great Gatsby fanfiction out there, especially after that movie. Oh, 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 yes. Well, here's the big thing is this year the uh it became public domain. Oh, so right. So you can now so you can now profit off of your Great Gatsby fan fiction, or you can attempt to. Get that money. I mean, <laughs> they did it with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, so I'm sure somebody out there is trying. Get that money, fan fiction writers. Break into break <laughs> into mainstream publishing. I believe in you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I have complicated feelings about people like uh, E.L. James, and then there was somebody who mm-hmm. like made a One Direction fan fiction. They like reskinned it and like made it a uh a novel for public consumption my perspective on the i don't know if you have an opinion on this feel free to interrupt me and tell me i'm wrong but um my opinion on the el james reskinning a twilight fan fiction and publishing it for consumption is um good for her honestly uh i know that there's stuff in there that isn't great but one it's for adults it's for for adult people who understand the difference between right and wrong and can come to their own conclusions about what's going on in this novel two a lot of the reason that people hate it i feel like is a transference of hate from hating twilight already because again it's a thing that teenagers teenage women enjoy and therefore we're not allowed to think it's good that got transferred onto her fan fiction because it was a twilight fan fiction it got transferred onto the concept of fan fiction because that's also a thing that teenage girls like and then that got piled onto the outcome which is her making money off of things two things that we're not allowed to like because teenage girls like Mm -hmm. exactly have you read it I have not. Uh, my, tr- I, I will say this. Good for her. It was an AU. It was an alternate universe Twilight fanfic to start. So it wasn't hard to reskin, like mm-hmm. just practically speaking. Uh, good for her for doing it. Uh, the char- like Bella and Edward were honestly out of character enough that it works very well. Uh, that being said, it is trash. <laughs> and it's okay to read trash. Like I've certainly read trashy like novels and whatnot. Uh, the writing itself, though is kind of trash however if you don't read a whole lot and you haven't really distinguished between more i'd say complicated and fun styles to read and you can just read present tense written simple sentences for 300 pages a lot of people loved it a lot of people got it on their kindles so nobody could see what they were reading and read this erotic fan fiction at the beach and loved it and she made a ton of money good for her Yeah, it's not as though this is, like, the first trash novel ever to exist either, because trashy romance is a whole genre that has existed for decades and decades. Oh, yes. So it's not 
this is another reason that I think the sort of hate and vitriol about this novel was really disproportionate because there are very, very problematic bodice rippers that have been around for many, many years. There's there's certainly worse, um, like in the consent department, there's certainly worse uh, uh, romance novels out there that have been fairly popular for forever uh and it's just that this was sort of a media phenomenon that people were suddenly aware of and so like el james got all that piled on her yeah the more people who are aware of a thing is the more that that hate is directed towards them so this was a breakout hit tons of people who don't normally read romance read it so there was all that much more hate coming towards it just because people knew about it whereas like random romance number three that has dubious non-consent issues romance novelists or romance readers are going to read that but nobody else so it's not as much hate directed towards it plus uh honestly romance readers are kind of used to that kind of thing it's very much a staple in certain genres of it so when fanfiction readers do or writers when fanfiction writers do kind of make the jump over into mainstream publishing by reskinning a fic or whatever i mean i'm happy for them good for them if they want to commercialize on their works go for it uh but i always feel kind of sad in a little bit like i feel kind of betrayed like you took the fanfic you you sold out to the man but <laughs> the the issue with that is fanfiction writing for me is very much a stress relief in a creative process and it's one of joy and i'm very aware that when you commercialize something and you try and make money off of it it becomes more of a job and more work and it strips the joy and the happiness you originally found in it from it. So a lot of people have been like, oh, there's so much different about this. You could take this down. You could just change some names and you could sell. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want to write original things. This is, this is my stress relief. This is what gives me joy. I want to put it out into the world for free and just leave this creation for other people to read and love. And so if people want to make money off of their fan works just by reskinning, I'm happy for them. But I also think it's entirely fine to just write fan fiction and not try to go commercial, no matter how popular or how good you are. It's okay to just share art because it makes you happy. Yeah, well, fortunately, the attention economy for fan fiction is not going anywhere. There's never going to be a situation where every fan fiction writer feels like they have, they're under pressure to become a commercial success outside of fan fiction. And that's only becoming more and more true as fan fiction, one, becomes more accepted in sort of like ordinary mainstream culture and also becomes more accessible because we have things like AO3 now that allow like really sophisticated tag sorting and- uh, And we have Wattpad for the tweens now who want to read their One Direction purge crossover fan fiction. I have never been on Wattpad. I am only aware of it through like, oh. kind of secondhand information. <laughs> so, so fanfiction.net, anybody reads there, basically. If you're an adult, you go on AO3 because it has more adult topics and it's very sophisticated tag sorting. If you're a teenager who's reading on the bus or a preteen who's reading on the bus, you read on Wattpad on your phone, which is where the preteens share their fanfiction nowadays. And it's, it's a trip. It's a lot of fun. They're terrible for the most part, but it's very fun to see what is striking preteens' fancies and what kind of self-inserts they're writing nowadays. It's very funny to me. 
Yeah, like you said, everyone has, like, it's part of the learning process, right? This is, this is the uh, Adventure Zone quote that everybody loves, that, like, sucking at something is the first step to being sort of good at something. So, uh, I mean, God knows, I was writing fan fiction at age 14, and uh, it was very bad. Uh, but you know what? I'm not embarrassed about it. I mean, I am embarrassed about it, but uh, I'm proud to be embarrassed. I'm proud to have something to be embarrassed about from my teenagehood. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. So I let a lot of authors, after as they get better, they'll delete their old things because they'll be like, this is trash. And all of mine are still up, like painful ones. Like the first one I ever wrote, God, I read that and I cringe. I was like, what was I thinking? But I leave them all up because... It can help you, like, as if you're an aspiring writer, you go down and you realize, wow, they really sucked. Like, they got better. Like, they clearly leveled up over the years, but wow. But then, like, I remember reading back on other people's stories and being like, this one's not very good. And kind of realizing, oh, writing's a thing you have to practice at to get better. And that's encouraging. So if I can encourage somebody by leaving my old trash up. I hope they get inspired and encouraged by it. Yeah, I have... There was a, a period when I was, like, 18 or 19, and I, like, became very self-conscious about fanfiction I had written years ago. There were a few in that time period that I, like, purged from the internet. But since then, I'm and I'm 30 years old now, uh, since then I've never sought out old fanfiction to get rid of it. I have different, like, screen names on everything now. I don't use fanfiction.net anymore. A lot of Quizilla doesn't, Quizilla doesn't even exist. <laughs> it, it just has been, it, like, the website's just been taken down to the best of my knowledge. But I am not aware if they're still there, my old ones on fanfiction.net. I haven't checked. I, I feel like it would do psychic damage to me if I did. But um, I, I have no interest in, like, hunting them down and purging them from the internet because, first of all, they're probably bringing somebody joy, even if they're not very good. Somebody probably has been reading them and enjoying them and, you know, just casually going about their fanfiction discovery journey. And also, um, like... When you're a teenager, you don't have any tastes. That's just how teenagers are. Their brains are still forming. They're still learning stuff. So uh, 14-year-olds are still going to probably like the stuff that I wrote at age 14. And that's just how it be. And, and that's, that's good. fine. That's good. Yeah. You're allowed to like bad things. Like, bad is an opinion. It might be good to you. Your tastes might change as you get older. I know mine did. But it's just fine. One thing I really like is on AO3, they have the orphan feature. So if you look back at a story and you're like, this is trash, I hate this, I don't want to be associated with this, you orphan it, and it just shows up as, like, story by Anonymous. And that way people can still read it and get joy from it without it being under your name and being a big deal. It's also a way people can write really, really niche, weird kink things and then not be ashamed about it. They just immediately orphan it. And I'm like, okay, good for you. Go for it. Yeah, there's a lot of discourse on the internet lately about, like, certain sex stuff like what what is okay to put in fan fiction and what is not i'm not i don't get involved in those kind of debates but i strongly believe that a lot of people use fan fiction as like a proving ground for experimenting you know for like 
sort of exploring their own sexuality and for exploring concepts associated with consent and things like that. And I don't think it's good in general to come at people for that. I don't think it's good to like tell people what they can and can't put in fan fiction and to like police what yeah. sort of things things they're allowed to ship and what things they're not allowed to ship. I, w- I would agree with you. And the other thing is not only is it a place where people kind of experiment in a safe place where it's not another person literally in front of them trying, they can kind of feel out how they feel about things. But a lot of people process various traumas they've gone through through their writing fan fiction. So there's really dark things out there where it isn't something you'd fantasize about generally. And it's but it's people who've been through terrible things processing it. And it's safer to process your own emotions through a through a different character who's not you than you processing those things because that's too personal. It can be very hard. And then for people to come at them and say, you can't do this. This is glorifying rape or glorifying abuse or whatever. And it's like, well, it's not this. I lived this and this is how I'm dealing with it. And like, you never know what somebody's going through or what they're doing. And if you don't like something, it's the internet. You can really just click away. Like you didn't pay for it. Just go back and let people do what they wanted to. Yeah, this is uh, one of the reasons it's so great that AO3 in particular has these really sophisticated tag sorting features. You can you can just eliminate things that you're not interested in seeing from your yep. peripheral vision. Great, great feature. And I, I was what I was getting at with the uh, like bringing that up is the, the the orphaning feature is really smart in that regard because it does give people anonymity to work through some things or even I. I I really believe that even if you're not personally working through something, like you, you do have a right to explore those topics. You do have a right to sort of like examine how you feel about those topics. So um, while I think it's a shame that people feel pressure to like abandon fan fictions that other people might come at them for, uh, it's certainly good that they have that feature. People can still do this. They can still write and publish things and then not be exposed to like the vitriol of some parts of the internet because of like the topics they have chosen to explore. Yeah. And the internet can be rough and brutal. It can, it can be real nasty, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, there's, uh, there's a lot of good that comes out of communities coming together and like closing ranks and like having the same values. Uh, but there's also, unfortunately the way the internet is designed there's also room for harmful ideas to grow. There's also room for like harmful perspectives to kind of like yeah. gain a following and like persuade more people. And th- I, I don't know that there's like a way to fix that. I, I think it's kind of the, the, it cuts both ways. Unfortunately, it, it's good that we have these like hyper specific communities to get involved in. And I don't know that you can have that without also having kind of toxic groups, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. What I kind of cling to is there's some real terrible things on the internet, like hate people getting together and like fostering hate and making it grow more. But I kind of cling to I've seen so much more good come out of everything than bad. Like I, 
I know dozens at this point, dozens of people whose lives have been saved by fan fiction. I know a bunch of other people who I would honestly say their lives have been saved by Tumblr. I have, I think, three trans friends at this point who all kind of learned what trans was via Tumblr, found a support network, and were able to kind of find their true selves and figure out what they wanted to do. And without the internet, without that sense of community, they would have just been lost and bullied at school and had nothing to kind of cling to. So I think so many more people have benefited from it at this point. And like that thing's kind of callous because I know people have died because of the hate groups. But I kind of hope, I claim, at this point, I feel like you kind of have to hope that there's more good from it than bad. Because if not, then what are we doing? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I don't, I, I, I don't have metrics on this. I don't think metrics exist on this to, to sort of determine if internet fandom has overall helped people's mental health, if it has overall harmed people's mental health as a sum total. I don't know, but I certainly personally know a lot more people who've had positive experiences with online fan communities than people who've had negative experiences with online fan communities, or they've certainly had their positive experiences have, have overwhelmed any negative experiences they've had. And I also think that fan communities are becoming a little bit more self-aware now in some places more than others, but I think the fact that fan community scholarship exists, and that's existed for a couple of decades now, but Axel, yeah, I think uh, examination of fan communities has and will continue to have a positive impact on how fan communities operate on the internet. I think the history of toxicity in fan communities is hopefully informing people and allowing them to spot this sort of thing before it gets out of control. And it's not perfect, it's never it's never gonna be, but um, I do think overall fan communities on the internet are getting better at, um, I don't wanna say self-policing, because that also can be a bad thing, but better at uh, like fostering a positive environment. That's, that's very true. There's, um, in the Harry Potter, fan fiction community right now there's a big move towards the different kinds of reviews people get because if you're on the internet people can be very mean on the internet and when you're just starting out as a writer getting constructive criticism from somebody can feel like a personal attack so there's been a big move recently to kind of specify what kind of reviews you would like so there's a push to put whether constructive can be that constructive criticism is welcome, or if you'd like positive feedback only. And when this kind of concept first came out, people like recoiled and they're like, this is ridiculous. It's on the internet. You can't expect only happiness and joy. But as people keep talking about it, it's become more apparent. There are a bunch of young writers who have been chased off just by like reviews they've gotten that aren't what a lot of us would consider mean or flames but can hurt really bad when you put something really personal out. So if you put like encouraging comments only and you read something and you hate it, you can just always not comment. And then that person gets to stay happy. Like your opinion doesn't need to ruin their day. They don't need it. But if somebody's like constructive criticism open, I can then be like, okay, this is how you punctuate dialogue correctly. Sit down. We're going to have a lesson. You're going to do this better. 
but somebody who's just writing for fun doesn't need that. But it's made a difference. Like already, it's been going on for like a month and a half, maybe. There are like clinics on how to write reviews now, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. But people are happier now. Like the newer writers aren't complaining that they got these terrible reviews that other people are then like, this is not a terrible review. They're trying to help you. And just fostering kind of community and everybody has a place here is really making a difference. And that never used to be a thing. It never used to be a thing. But as people see so much hate everywhere else, I think, they kind of turn to their areas of control and they're like, okay, how do we make this an area of love and fight against that hate? And that's kind of inspiring to see. Yeah, I think such an important thing to remember about fan fiction is that people are writing this for free for fun in their spare time. This is not a novel. They're not sending this to an editor in hopes of getting it published. And maybe they will someday. And that's that's cool. But uh yeah, you don't not everybody needs uh to have the the chops of like a professional writer. Not everybody wants to be a professional writer. Some people write fan fiction purely for fun in their spare time. And like there's, there's no need for those people to get uh, get dunked on by people on the internet for no reason. Right. And The other thing is, a lot of fan fiction that you read, you don't want to read like something that's professionally written. Yeah. I don't want to necessarily read, oh, there's a climax, there's a reveal, this is the characterization. Sometimes I want to read something that has like next to no plot, you're born with your soulmate's initials on your wrist or whatever the hell. And it's just innocent and fun, and I don't have to worry about that hard stuff like character realizations or climaxes or the end of the world or big quests. Like, fan fiction can just take all the literary concepts that you kind of learn in school as these are what composes a good novel and just throw them out the window and do what you feel like. I don't know how many stupid stories I've read that I've loved that are about coffee shops. I'm trying to uh, come up with a uh, a logo for this podcast. Uh, this is the only, only the third episode I've recorded, so I'm still doing some admin stuff. I was trying to come up with a logo, and I was like, "What if I did like a riff on a Starbucks logo? What if what if I did a a coffee shop AU logo for this podcast?" <laughs> oh, but that'd be so funny. <laughs> we'll see. I'm still working on it. I'm still brainstorming it, but um, yeah, I. 100% agree. First of all, there there's um there's a ton of joy you can get out of something that doesn't have like a traditional structure. There's a and this is this is another thing that has always been true. Like there has always been like serialized literature. Uh there has always been uh like low stakes stories that people connect with on a very human level. So, uh, the, the idea that you need to, like, critique people on the internet, like, writing, uh, weekly drabbles about two characters they like or whatever, very, very unnecessary. Also, uh, a lot of the internet, you, a lot of the opinions you get from random people on the internet are, in fact, bad opinions, let's be honest. Yes, (laughs) I will be so, oh my gosh, I'm lucky in that I've been doing this for, like, way too long now, and, but, like, I'm very realistic and have always been very realistic about my skill in writing. And I, when I write trash, I know it's trash. Nobody sees it at this point. But I used to post it. I used to just not care. So when somebody tells me something, this is terrible or whatever, 
I, I can tell if they're if this is opinion is trash. Some people are like, this is a plot hole and you just forgot about it. And I'm like, shit, how do I fix this? And it becomes a problem. But a lot of people just don't like the things that you like. And they're like, this is terrible. And you have to just be able to kind of be like, okay, but you're stupid. Like if you had taste, <laughs> you clearly like it. So like, I kind of am at that point now. If you don't like my story, either it's not your thing or you have bad taste. Uh, I did get a lot recently telling me that I was corrupting the youth and going to hell. And that kind of warms me because clearly, like, if I have the angry far right conservatives who are trying to pass terrible legislation, they're mad at me. I'm doing it right then, I feel. So their flames warm my heart. But you do have to get a thick skin at some point. Yeah. Kind of hard. Um, I, I'm allergic to the term plot hole at this point because for some reason, and this was. I, I blame, uh, like, film YouTube for this. I blame, like, the dudes on YouTube critiquing films. And by dudes, I mean a certain category of dudes. Um, but there's a certain category of dudes on YouTube who just, like, talk about films a la CinemaSins, which is just, just the... CinemaSins sucks the joy out of everything, and, like, they don't deserve a platform. But, is that the one where they just like pick the smallest shit and they're like, "This yeah, is a plot yes, hole." Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, like Cinema Sins is like just talking fast over clips of a film and pretending like there's errors in it that there aren't. Uh, and so this is sort of inspired like a spinoff YouTube culture of dudes nitpicking movies for like stuff that is not an issue. People uh, shedding on things that give other people joy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I'm. Anytime someone says like thing is a plot hole, I like recoil. I'm like, oh no, it's not. Like a character making a decision that you don't agree with is not a plot hole. That's something, not a plot some, hole. Something something going unexplained when it has nothing to do with the plot is not a plot hole. Like uh, we don't need to know how the spaceship got from point a to point b we can just infer that it flew there okay you we don't that's not a plot hole so yeah this is why uh i this is why i made a point of saying that like a lot of opinions from people on the internet are in fact not good opinions this is why this is why there are professional editors who are professionals who actually know what they're talking about i know but the internet doesn't use them much anyone can get published and with and on one hand i'm I'm very much in favor of lowering like the gatekeeping towards publishing because the publishing industry traditionally was a nightmare to go through. So people who don't have to and it's not gatekept, I'm very happy for them, especially fiction writers. But on the other hand, there were fact checkers and copy editors. And I was like, and so some part of me is like, well, some gatekeeping is good <laughs> when anyone can just publish their opinion and it's a shit crap opinion. It, kills me it's just i guess a weird time we live in i guess to be fair uh confidence in official published literature should never have been as high as it was i uh yeah i enjoy a, a podcast called you're wrong about and uh they they examine a lot of like stuff that was in the news in like the late 80s and early 90s that people don't remember correctly and they're just like hey this is what actually was happening in that news story like their first episodes about the satanic panic and they have episodes (laughs) 
they have episodes about like a lot of famous uh like serial killers and stuff and the basically the the gist of the podcast is like hey you probably only remember these three bullet points about this news story but here's what was actually going on and like here's the context and here's why like the thing you remember about that is probably not correct and uh they looked at uh, a book called michelle remembers and that this is the book that really like kicked off the satanic panic and they did like a book club style reading of it for several episodes and talked about it and like it's garbage nonsense it is it was <laughs> it was portrayed as like a, a true story um but it was like deeply unethical first of all because it was like a therapist hypnotizing this woman and then just writing down everything that she was saying and she was like making up false memories basically and uh he was just writing this down as though it all were true and then like they jointly published it and like it it was just garbage nonsense all of it was just garbage nonsense and hypnotism is like not considered a valid psychiatric technique for memory recovery anymore oh no so but this was like a huge book that was published in the 80s people believed it as published and like no nobody questioned it even though there was like absurd crazy shit in it so um perhaps perhaps we just never should have trusted publishing as much as we <laughs> did in the first place and perhaps humans have just always been this way perhaps humans have just always been publishing garbage and uh, we just thought we had better quality stuff in the past because somebody was looking at it before it was published. <laughs> Probably. I The more I read online for free, the more critical I am of the things I pay money for. Mm -hmm. And so I'll like start looking through my old things or things my dad has in the basement. And a lot of it's shit. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's really bad. And I read this and I'm like, I can t I've read two chapters of this and I can outline the whole plot from just these two chapters. I'll tell you who's going to die at what point. Like, this is very predictable. This is not exciting things. But a lot of stuff online is incredibly well written and innovative and exciting. But, oh God, for journalism, that, that hurts me. Because <laughs> I, I know of the satanic panic and I know how ridiculous that was. But to hear that that came from a book and nobody fact-checked it, that, mm -hmm. that cuts deep. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I think I think the moral of the story there is just that like everything humans produce is garbage, whether it's published or not. <laughs> well, one person's trash is another person's treasure, so yeah. maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I'm, I'm trying to get in the habit of asking people this, but uh, do you have any fan fiction that you can like recommend anything that you really enjoyed recently doesn't even have to be recently actually anything that you just think is great that deserves to be spotlighted yes but hang on let me think so this this is a very old one but there's harry potter and the methods of rationality and we were talking earlier mary sue gary stew whatever harry potter's not harry potter in this he's like some child prodigy genius but the story is very funny, but more than that is it teaches the premises of rational thinking along the way. So it was very much a case when I read it of learning a way of thinking while doing something fun. And it's like somebody from like the Institute of 
rational thinking or logical thinking, or, or I think it's of being less wrong, wrote it <laughs> to promote these ideas of thinking rationally because they saw people thinking irrationally all over the world. And it was like, okay, well, let's try this. And that was fascinating to read just to learn that. Like I ended up going to their website and like going through the lessons and learning how to think critically because of a fanfic. So I recommend that. It was kind of cool. Uh, it got real hard to read two thirds through. If you push through the endings, a trip, <laughs> but it, it did go some dark places that I did not expect, but it, it got better. It got better. It's fine. Uh, my fic is awesome. You should read my fic. My fic is called New Blood. It is about Hermione Granger, but if she gets sorted into Slytherin, uh, and therefore is not hindered by things such as being brave and moral, and instead gets to try and be cunning and take over the world. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very affirmative. Uh, Hermione in it is bisexual. She explores that. So we get to explore what that looks like in the wizarding world. And also what that's like as a young girl, because I know when I was young and queer, I didn't know what I was doing with myself. And there was no, there were no examples. My mother taught me some people are gay and some people are straight and that's fine. She never taught me there was an in-between. So I was lost until I was like 14 and it was a mess. So it makes me happy to give positive representation of queer people in fan fiction. So that other people are now going to grow up seeing that. And that's a good thing. Uh, there's, I'm trying to remember what the one was. Oh, uh, if you watch Game of Thrones and know Harry Potter, there's a fic called The Winter Witch, where Hermione goes to Westeros. Uh, she then proceeds to kick huge amounts of ass and is just awesome. And I love seeing people be empowered and problem solve in creative ways. Game, so a lot of, Game of Thrones only exists in fan fiction now, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the 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 way that Game of Thrones just like dropped out of the cultural consciousness immediately after that last season was truly bizarre. I've never seen. Oh, it was hysterical. I have to never me, seen a show tank so hard in in the like court of public opinion as Game of Thrones did, like to such an extent that like nobody acknowledges that game of thrones exists anymore <laughs> i know oh it was so funny though but like like you can see how it happens like they were setting up for things but they were so like the writers or the producers really directors whatever were so intent on oh we're going to subvert expectations and like we can't have what happened which would logically progress happen that would follow expectations and that's not what we do but like they, they completely forgot that the whole the neat part about Game of Thrones was all the repercussions of people's actions. And then in the last season, there were no repercussions. People just forgot that the whole sept blew up and everybody died in a massacre. Just there were no repercussions. And that was the cool part of that. And they got rid of it. it made me very sad. Yeah, I think I'm not the first person to point this out by any means, but uh, it seemed like once they ran out of uh, books to adapt <laughs> they were just kind of flailing around uh, I think they were still getting like creative input from uh, George Barton but once they once they stopped having like the core text to adapt into shows they really like kind of went off the rails and the last season was kind of like the culmination 
of all of that of their they're just not knowing what to do with the series and like how to resolve these character arcs in a satisfactory way yeah it was it was kind of tragic but i don't know i enjoyed the schadenfreude of it these two very well respected men for adapting somebody else's creative work suddenly like come crashing down because they tried to put their hands on it and it all blew up in their face i'm not like (laughs) i'm not opposed to adaptation generally speaking i i like to see one person interpret something for a different media but um yeah and i was disappointed like i really i wanted to like it you know i had been enjoying game of thrones up to that point there were there were like seasons that dragged more than others but i had generally speaking been invested in game of thrones to that point and so Mm -hmm. uh yeah while it's funny now it was definitely a bummer at the time (laughs) it was it was definitely but dropped very quickly the fan fiction is fun Mm because it fixes everything but you see that a lot of places. The fan fiction for Star Wars is definitely not addressed. Like, there's a whole fix-it fanfic movement of that because the last movie people very much objected to. And you do what makes you happy and you write the better answers. But it, it, it is a big thing now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm looking through my favorites trying to find out what I would recommend to people. But the thing is, I have to go to my AO3 favorites. I have to go to my fanfiction.net favorites. It's a whole big thing. Uh, if you want afterwards, you can just send me like a couple and I'll, I'll, I'll either work them into the show notes or I'll work them into the intro or after I'm going to like pre-record a little like intro, uh, for each episode. So I would say, I would say anything by Sen Lin Yu. So S E N L I N Y U. She's very new and she's fantastic. Like, not only are her stories genuinely enjoyable and a fun ride to go on, but she's very good at exploring different parts of the human experience without making it obvious. Like, one story she wrote explored, like, being terminally ill and chronically ill and what that's like. And I am a chronically ill person, and reading that, I was like, oh, wow, she she really went there, but it's a romance story. It's just kind of part of it. And she's very good, so I'd recommend anything she wrote. That's probably all I've got for you. <laughs> okay. As far as favorites, because if I start just listing things I like without further justification, we will be here for many, many hours. <laughs> all right, well... We... Oh, hang on. Oh. One more. Oh, okay. This is the best one. Okay. okay. So this is Harry Potter fandom, because it's a lot of what I read. It's called Muggles and Mortgages. And it's a bunch of the Harry Potter kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, but swapped over because they live in a dungeon and they see dragons. So it's Muggles and Mortgages. I'm... And they do exciting things like go to the mall and there's dexterity checks to go on the escalator. I... And it's hysterical. I laughed so hard. I'm uh, weak for any uh, major... I know this is a fan fiction, but I... I'm weak for any... Uh, major media property that has a D&D episode. Like, I don't know if you watch Voltron, but there was a D&D episode of Voltron <laughs> where they, like, the whole the whole cast, like, just sat down and, like, the, the episode was about them playing a game. It, it, and it was very clear from uh, the dialogue and shit that people, the people writing the episode had played D&D before and, like, they, they were really hitting the nail on the head with some of the, like, shit that people do in D&D. It was very funny. 
there there was another one I read. It was like Harry Potter and the Natural Twenty, where a wizard from Dungeons and Dragons three point five ends up going to Hogwarts. And it's hysterical because he can do very advanced magic. That's his magic. And he can levitate things like nobody's business. But if he tries to make a potion, like it just ends up a bunch of stuff floating in water. And it's him trying to scheme his way and get good grades. It's also hysterical because he's very genre savvy. So he's very aware if he, if anyone he meets, he can describe with more than three adjectives. They're definitely a plot point. The DM's talking about that. It, it's a trip. It's a lot of fun. That one's still going on. It's been going on probably for 10 years. Oh, wow. It's a, That's a lot it's of commitment. <laughs> I mean, there's seven books to rewrite. And of yeah. course, like the, the person who's friends with Harry Potter and like realizes Quirrell is a big deal because there's five adjectives for him. He stutters. He has a turban. He used to be the Muggle Studies. There's a whole bunch of drama with that. But I, I enjoy genre savvy aware things. I think the commentary is fun that it makes. Thank you so much for your uh, your input and for recording. Thanks for your recommendations. This was a ton of fun. Uh, I'm excited to this edit it. <laughs> I'm excited that people like fan things and that it's growing in the world. One thing that I thought was really cool is if you watch like sitcoms or even like Law and Order nowadays, the people who used to write fan fiction for those fandoms, some of them now grew up and are now writing the episodes and you can kind of tell mm-hmm. that brings me joy that just love of fandom and fan works and creativity has just expanded Fiction is Good Actually is part of Where They May Radio, a small family of podcasters just doing our best. You can keep up with Fan Fiction is Good Actually on Twitter at fanficisgoodpod, and you can reach Evan via email at fanficisgood at gmail.com. For bonus content, including bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash wtmradio. Where They May Radio.